safe to say that it's massive news coming out of the NHL yesterday with Nate McKinnon's new contract becoming the highest paid player in the NHL. Is it deserving or not? We're definitely going to get into that. Craig wants to talk about what that means for the Boston Bruins and David Pasternak. And as promised, he'll talk about Keith Yandel and also Jersey ads are also going to be a discussion because that's a big conversation going on around the league. It's all new. Yeah, not not new uh, over in Europe because they've been doing that for years and years. And that's how they that's how they build their revenue is all these Jersey ads that are all over their helmets, all over the jerseys. They're on the side and the fronts and the back of pants. They're on the socks. Yep. They are a walking billboard over in over in uh, in the the We're, European, uh, you know, and, professional and, leagues. And desperate over there. times called for desperate measures. They're, I don't know if I like billion, this. Listen, they're a billion dollars in uh, in the hole, or they were with the whole COVID loss of attendance and games and everything. So that being said, is it desperate times? Is this long overdue anyway? I think it might be a little bit overdue. I don't I don't think that we should be ever getting to the point of what's happening over in those, you know, Russia, the Russian leagues, the Swiss leagues, the uh Finn Swedish leagues. They're all they're all walking billboards. Like right from head to toe, they are decked out in all these um, you know, ads all over them. I don't like it. I think it's very distracting. I don't mind having maybe one or two major sponsors um one could be on uh the back of a jersey maybe at the bottom underneath the number there could you know there could be one on the one of the shoulders but that's about it that's all that's all i have for you know these these advertisers because i just think it's distracting to the watcher um you know, looking at these players like that. I don't watch European hockey. A lot of the reason because of all the ads all over the place. I, I'm being dead serious when I say it. It's hard to even keep track of what's going on. You got the Skoda thing in center ice. You got uh, something else in the neutral zone. It's just, it. it's way too much. It's yeah. way too much. But well, I mean, you I remember guess- you, you played over in, um, you know, in the lockout Sweden. in 2005, you went over to Sweden and you played over there. You remember, you remember what you look like. Right. Oh, my pants had a had two Velcro squares on the on the front and back of them on the thighs, and during practices for the week, you never had a sponsor on there. But the games, you would throw on these big white th- squares, and they would Velcro on your pants, and and they were the they were the main main sponsors of the team. It was it was unbelievable. The, and what what was, was your thought? What was your thought on it when you when you wore it? Thought it was super cool. Cause it was different for you. It was different. It was cool. It was, it was, uh, I mean, I, it, it, it was something I knew wasn't going to be long lived for me. So I enjoyed it while I, while I did it, I thought it was a, 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 a cool concept, but it was something that I never thought the NHL would ever do. I like, and I don't think listen. they'll ever get there. I don't think you're going to see a big McDonald's square or a Coca-Cola square or a bio steel square. These are all major sponsors of the league. So never you know, say never enterprise. Although I will say, I would love to see the leading scorer wear the golden helmet. The guy in the leading scorer of the league gets to where they do that in some of the leagues. I think, is it in Switzerland? Maybe I can't it's, remember what well, it's, it it's, it's in Finland. I know that. Okay. It's in Finland. Yeah. And they, they, they and, got and the, the and the the leader, the point leader of the league, 
is given a special helmet. He wears a gold helmet. It's nothing like, uh, you know, the old spotlight on you, right? It's uh, not sure if I would like that if I was a player. It's kind of a little bit of a target. Is there a tar- are there targets this day and age? Come on. Come on. I'm uh, there's no there are no targets. You know what? I've been sitting here scrolling through my phone as we're as we're talking because I know that I had uh, a picture of when I played over in Finland and uh, I just I just scrolled and 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 finally found the picture and this is just the front view of my team and this is just the front of me and this is how many ads are on my jersey one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fourteen ads are on my jersey and pants yeah the NHL will never get to that, but let me see it. Yeah, I've seen that. You showed me that picture before. Yeah, and and mine's very similar to that too. And those and those squares on your pants were they not removable? Uh, I would I would I would think so. I don't even know because they were. I think it was a shell, right? Uh, so yeah. I I just put on a shell and uh, I just wore what they gave me, right? But on my on my jersey, and this is just the front. And the side of the arms on both sides, there is four, there's, there's 12 ads. That's not even including the back, which I can't see. I think, and I, and I ask you, is that the, is that, is that the way of the NHL? Is that the, is that where this is going? And because there's gotta be a lot of money. And I mean, a lot of money in these advertisements. Well, listen, you don't think. A company in Canada like Canadian Tire or Royal Bank or TD Bank or Scotia Bank um, wouldn't pay millions, and I mean millions of dollars, to have a special advertisement on a Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Leon Drysettle. Like down here in the states, in the U.S., you you get a Coca Cola or whoever else, a major sponsor, Home Depot or whatever, and you you put a orange helmet, Home Depot helmet on Sidney Crosby or one player in particular. Now that player would have to get some sort of a cut of the no, deal. You, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. you can't. No, you can't do that. You can't do that because it's all for HRR. So the player, the, the players, you're not going to go and give Andrew Peters uh, uh, an orange helmet for Home Depot um, because it just doesn't make sense. You need the big players that are going to be in big moments, making big plays on the highlight reels. So you can't go and center one guy out and say, you're going to do that for the league. You you can't do that. You'd have to give him a cut of the deal. There is not going to be any individual ads on any player. I know there won't, but I'm saying there should. No, there shouldn't. <sighs> Come on. What about goalie pads? You could turn fucking goalie pads into anything. Okay, goalie pads are are different because they're a different way of advertising and making money is through the goalie pads. But as players, there's not going to be an individual wearing, you know, another sponsor on his jersey other than the ones that is throughout the entire team. 
It'll never, ever, ever happen. It'll be interesting to see. I just hope that uh, they keep that integrity of the game. And uh, I understand that they want to try and make money. Maybe a sticker on a helmet. Maybe a, you know, a patch on what the side of the arm. What integrity are you talking about? What integrity are you talking about when you say the integrity of the game? Well, how many ads did you see when Morris the Rocket Richard was playing back in the, you know, in his time? How many how many ads did you see on Bobby Orr's jersey flying flying as that Boston Bruin through through the the center of the ice and down into the offensive zone? Did you see major ads all over Wayne Gretzky? No, you know, but I bet you if they thought they could do it, you saw him in commercials. You no, saw Gretzky because, at McDonald's. You saw him in excellent. Coca-Cola. That's you saw him individual in commercials on his own time. Yeah. Just like when I saw Jose, Jose Theodore was doing Perch Plus or whatever, or Head and Shoulders in, in, in Montreal. Saw him all over the place. You know, we got free uh, Head and Shoulders. It was awesome. But individuals on teams, teams with ads, has never happened in the NHL. Now, I think that they're going to move in that direction. I'm okay with it. Just keep the integrity of this and do not just make it about money. I think they'll I do think that. They're small. That. The NBA has done their small. I mean, not that the NBA jerseys are big anyway, but they're just small little ones on the side. There's one little one on the side. So I don't think that they're going to go out of their way to make this a mockery, but they definitely could if they wanted to just go haywire and start cashing in. Um, there's a simple transition there. Cashing in Nate McKinnon yesterday became the highest paid player in the NHL. Were you surprised to see his cap hit so high? More than McDavid. Um, my first, my first thought, because I read, um, I read something the other day that McKinnon kind of said that uh, when he was asked about his contract, he said it is getting close. Uh, we're almost, we're almost there. We're finalizing things, and they asked him about the contract. What is, what's going to look like? You know. And he said it won't be a single digit number. Okay. So it won't be 9 million and around there. He says, but it will be fair, but it will not have a single digit number. So the contract extension is, is going to be close and almost done soon. So I, I thought when he said it's not going to be a single digit number, I thought that he would, would have taken a hometown discount, maybe you know, got in, in somewhere around 10 and a half, maybe even 11 million and called it a day. When I saw 12.6, why 12.6? Cause it's, it's making a statement. It's making a statement that, you know, I've won a Stanley cup. I've put up a tremendous amount of points, been one of the top players in the, in the league for the last five years. Still has a long way to go in his career. But, you know, is he worth it? Yes. Yes, he's worth it. You got to remember, Connor McDavid signed for $12.5 million back how many years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. Now you have Nate McKinnon, who is arguably um, one of the only players in the league that you could probably put in the same argument against Connor McDavid for one of the best in the league. Um, he, he now deserves that money. He's won a Stanley cup. He's had a tremendous amount of success. He's, 
He's an awesome player. Okay, if you had to choose today, if you're going into a season 2022, David, really that quick, hundred percent, not not even close. There's not there's no one in the league that that even comes close to Connor McDavid as far as I'm concerned. And I'm gonna hear. I think, I Nate, hear McKinnon is, I think Nate McKinnon is just as fast. Listen to that. Listen to this. Listen. Can you hear that? Do you hear the Leafs fans across the border? They're saying it. Austin Matthews is the greatest player of all time. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's very good, and he's got to be. Uh, you know, I, 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 I would normally a couple years ago I would have said, you know, Matthews is a great player, but he's probably a two, three, four, five. He's not anymore. Like Austin Matthews is a one B for me. A one B, not a two. He's a one B. That's how good he is. So there you go, Toronto fans. Um, gave you a little pat on the back for your boy because he deserves it. He, he deserves it. But let me tell you, Connor McDavid is the best player in the national hockey league. And it's undeniable. It's undeniable. What he does on the ice, his skating ability, hockey IQ, scoring, passing everything. There's, there's not a better player on skates. Austin Matthews, I think is a one B and, Nate McKinnon is in number two because he's not a one C for me. Listen, I am not trying to, to just go against what you're saying. I said this. Uh, no, don't give me that face. I said this with, I don't know if JR was on with us, Van or Geo, but somebody was on with us. And I said the Colorado Avalanche have the best forward in the NHL and the best defenseman in the NHL. And I think they might have the two best players in the NHL in Nate McKinnon and Kale McCarr. One, two best players in the league. And I could say that McCarr's number one and McKinnon's number two. And then after that, if you're a Leaf fan, you can throw Matthews. If you're a Penguins fan, you can throw McDavid. If you're a Oilers fan, you can throw uh or a Penguins fan, you can throw Crosby. Oilers fan can throw McDavid. I don't care. But the Colorado Avalanche have the two best players in the NHL, and Nate McKinnon is the best forward in the NHL. Have you seen his stats? Yeah, I've yeah. seen him. He hasn't played a full season. He 93 points in 69 games three years ago, 65 points in 48 games, two years ago, 88 points in 65 games last year, 13 goals in the playoffs in 20 playoff games. You prorate that over a full season. Let's multiply that by four. That's 50. That's a pace of 52 playoff goals over an 80 playoff game prorated schedule season, whatever. The guy's the best forward in the NHL. No, he's not. Do you think Connor McDavid's pissed today? No. Not whatsoever. You don't think so, so what are you asking? What what you're asking me right now is the face of the National Hockey League. The face of the National Hockey League pissed that a guy is making more money than him. Well, let me tell you, Sidney Crosby was the face of the franchise, was the face of the NHL for 10 years. And he made less than 15 guys or 10 guys in the league. 
he decided, Sidney Crosby decided early on that he was going to take less money for his team to have a better chance of winning. What did that turn into? Three Stanley Cups. It turned into Sidney Crosby being a face of the entire league for 10 years. I don't think Sidney Crosby, you know, you look at what Sidney Crosby's made. He makes 8.7, his number. Yeah, but he's on like a, he's on a 12-year contract or something. Okay. And before that contract, he was making 8.7. Okay. But what I'm trying to say is Sidney Crosby could have signed for way more, way more. He could have been the highest paid player in the game by far at the time. And he chose to take less money to have an opportunity to win more hockey games. Okay. And it, it has worked out for Sidney Crosby because you talked about it yesterday. You're all about money. You're not about winning. You're about getting your paycheck, walking away from the game and just being super happy that you have a big fat bank account. Well, here's the thing. Sidney Crosby chose to sign for less to give his chance to keep top end players together back in the day when Chris Kunitz was making three, five and, and certain players were making good money. It was because Sidney Crosby had taken less money. That's why. And, and now you're going to look at Sidney Crosby. He's going to make a lot of money, like $120 million in his career, or, or maybe even more than that, but he could have made 160 million, but he doesn't care because he has three Stanley cups and he, he made that choice. Connor McDavid out in Edmonton made a choice. He made a choice to be the highest paid player because he was the face. The, he was the face of the league. He signed for 12 and a half million. And guess what? They're up against it. They're they had to pay him 12 and a half million because deep, deep, deep down. I think they probably knew that he like he doesn't really want to be there. He's he's there giving it his all because he's trying to lay a legacy. But I don't believe McDavid is going to be an oiler full time. I never did from the day that they, they won the lottery. I'm like, this kid's going to be out of there the, as fast as he can. But he can't turn down a twelve and a half million dollar deal. For eight years, it's a hundred million dollars. There's an American in Canada. So it's one hundred and thirty. Understood. But my my question to you is how many how many teams in the NHL history has won with a ten million dollar player in the lineup? I I don't think I can help you. Is it zero or zero? Okay, zero. So let me tell you again: how many players in NHL history? have won a Stanley Cup with a $10 million player on the roster? The answer answer is is zero. zero. Connor McDavid is making $12.5 million. You think he's going to win a Stanley Cup? No. If he would have been taking less money, a hometown discount because he values winning more than the bank account. Because he's already won a cup? Absolutely. Thousand. Okay. Thousand percent. So if he doesn't win a cup while making twelve point six million, it's fine because he already won a cup. That's okay. Well, listen, I mean, he made that decision where he was the most underpaid superstar player in the game, making six point three million dollars for six years. 
He exploded onto the scenes. He has been a dominant force. Nate McKinnon has been a dominant force for years. He has been one of the most underpaid superstars in the game. We're going to bring up another guy who's in the same boat. You know what's amazing? Nate McKinnon should be with the numbers that he's put up for the last five years. He should be making 11 and a half plus million dollars in those times where he's making six, three, but here's, here's the way Nate McKinnon's probably thinking of it. We won a Stanley cup because of me on different levels. Number one is my play. He's one of the best players to play the game, but the reason why they won is because he was making grossly less than what his performance was on the ice. He is bef- he's performing at a $12 million rate and who and they're getting the and they're getting him for 6.3. Who's yeah, 6.3 million. So basically what they did was they doubled it. They just gave him 12.6. They just multiplied I, his salary by 2. But, Nate McKinnon but right whose now. The problem is that that like I mean no, no, no. Make- Nate McKinnon right now said I won you a Stanley Cup. I I I was giving you guys elite level performance i want to get paid now then he should have taken a bridge deal for three years i think it's worked out for colorado i think colorado looks at 12.6 million dollars and said you know what you deserve it you deserve it and he does does deserve deserve, he does deserve it you're right and you were just saying that as i as i said the same thing he does deserve it yep what is what happens now to the team that you know i mean it, that just takes away a massive chunk now granted they have one more year of him at 6.3 so so they have they have another year of what i would would say they have another year of going for it cuz their window every team has a window okay you have a window because of the players ages um, you have a level because your elite star players are peaking and you have a level to how much players make, because once they hit that, that, uh, that top end pay grade, which is what McKinnon's going to do next year, then they're going to be in, they're going to be in serious trouble, serious trouble. And they're going to have to, they're going to, you know, listen, I mean, they already lost Nazem Kadri. Right. But they're going to be in a situation that uh, they're going to be really, really thin on their third and fourth lines. And when you're thin on the third and fourth lines, you don't win hockey games. So you don't win games. Do you think Colorado gave him so much this much money because they feel obligated to give him back pay for his performance over the last couple of years? See, I I do. You do. Yes, I do. I think they realize I think they realize that he was grossly underpaid probably by about 5 million dollars or maybe even 6 million dollars and I think that they won a Stanley Cup because Nate McKinnon was not making the top level money and now I think they 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 realize they're going number one they're going to hope two things. Colorado is going to say listen, you deserve this. You're one of the top forwards in the, in in the NHL. You're going to get paid accordingly, okay? So there's nothing wrong with what he's making. Now Colorado, 
they have to cross their fingers. They have to cross their fingers and hope that the salary cap goes up from what? $82.5 million to $90 million in the next number of years. Yeah, well, that's the only way that this is going to work. They're they're close to normal, right? So you're you're thinking in the next couple of years, we'll start going up in $5 million increments as it did before uh, the COVID stoppage and and all the revenue lost. Uh, Here's one question I have before we shift gears to the other player that you want to talk about. What would he have been paid had he had played played out this contract at 6.3 played 80 82 games all 82 games had 96 points and had a three round playoff run where he had uh, you know 16 games maybe he had uh 24 eight, eight, eight goals 10 assists 18 points in 16 playoff games and that's his season what do you think he gets if he goes to the open market? I think a team will pay him fourteen million. You do, yes, and that's probably what his agent said to the team, right? But, you can, I you, mean, you can sign him to this, or yeah, Nate he's McKinnon going to, come on the market to get this. Nate McKinnon comes on the market, and he's an unrestricted free agent. And teams are, are are thinking to themselves, okay, the, the, the salary cap is $82.5 million, but in four years from now, it might be 87 or $88 million. We don't know. It could be $90 million because things, the revenue is going to be going up, okay? I think there's going to be a team out there. You don't think that teams like Seattle that want to make a splash and get an absolute rock star player into their lineup who's only 27 years old who's in in his prime you have a guy in his prime who is one of the best players to put on skates he is going to set a new market just like Connor mcdavid set a bar a couple years ago at 12 and a half million dollars but that was four years ago nate mckinnon would set a new bar he would be making probably Thirteen and a half, fourteen million dollars, and there's going to be teams out there that would pay him. Did you see his contract? Did yeah, you see broke. what it looks like? Yeah, eighty-five people, eighty-five million three hundred and forty thousand dollars. I'll say it again: eighty-five million three hundred and forty thousand dollars is signing bonus. Signing bonus. First year, 15, 7, 25, and a base salary of the regular season of 775. Next year, same thing. Next year, 15 and a quarter, 800,000 salary. The next year, 3 million bonus, 9.15 million in salary. Then it goes 8.9 all the way down in uh, bonuses and uh, 990,000 in salary. Yeah. Well, this, this brings us to another awesome topic and it's, it's so incredible because I cannot wait to see what they're going to do. And that's the Boston Bruins because David Pasternak, who's a year younger than our boy, uh, Nate McKinnon is coming up for a contract too. And, and I will say this, I believe that Pasternak when I when I talked about Nate McKinnon being the number one player in the league 
um, that's underpaid. I would have to say David Pasternak is is right up in the top five. Okay, David Pasternak in his last number of years. Well, I, I guess you can go the last uh, go back uh, five years he, or six years. He scored 34 goals, 35 goals, 38 goals, 48 goals, 20 goals and 40 goals. And these are seasons that, you know, are not 82 game seasons like this. This young man has scored an outrageous amount of goals. I, I wrote, I wrote it down um, the other day, or, or actually I, I didn't even write it down, I, but Nate McKinnon has played one full year uh, longer, or actually about a year and a half longer than Pasternak. And in 600, I think, I think it, uh, uh, McKinnon played 638 games he had 240 goals scored, okay, in 638 games. Well, Pasternak, in 504 games, has 240 goals. The exact same amount of goals and played 130-odd games less. Pasternak is one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. So when I look at when I look at the point totals of a Nate McKinnon, which I think was uh, 638, and I think he had 240 goals and 600 and maybe 50 points. And then you have Pasternak, who had like 510 games and 505 points. Like he is on a point a game. He scores every other game. He has the exact same point totals as a, as a Nate McKinnon, but he's a year younger. What is the Boston Bruins going to pay this young man? The Boston Bruins have one more year. And then it is, I think it's going to be blow up time. I'm not kidding you when I say this right now. David Krejci at age 36 came back to the NHL. He's on a one-year deal. Chris Wagner is 31. He's on a, he's unrestricted next year. Thomas Nosek is 30 years old. He's on a one-year deal. Patrice Bergeron is 37 years old. He's on a one-year deal. Craig Smith has one more year left. He's 33 years old. Then he's unrestricted. You have Nick Foligno, who's 34 years old, who's unrestricted. You have a Pavel Zaka, who's 25 years old, who's unrestricted. This entire offense, and then Pasternak is unrestricted. So Their entire offense you think is going to be gone. You think Pasternak's going to wait and see how this season goes, or do you think he signs an extension before the year? No, because I think the Boston Bruins are going to be very competitive this year. They still have all the ingredients to be very, very competitive. You know, Pasternak, Marchand, Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque, Pavel Zaka, Craig Smith, Bergeron, you name it. Like this, this is a strong team. But after one year, there are so many older players, 36, 31, 30, 37, 33, 34. Charlie Coyle is 30. Taylor Hall is 30. Uh, Marchand is 34. The entire team is in their 30s. There is going to be a major downfall in play very soon just due to longevity in the game injuries that creep up 
You're just not moving the same. Your body is not the same because it's been beat up to shit. This, the Bruins are going to be in, they're going to be tearing this thing down because you're, you can't re-sign the players that they have on their roster right now. You're not going to re-sign guys at 33, 35, 37. There's going to be a major transition in Boston. What about, I think 34, they, what about 34 and 36? You said 33, 35, and 37. Oh, I'm just looking at guys. What about that, ages 34 and 36? Are they exempt yeah. from this rule? No, no. <laughs> I think, you know, when you look at David Pasternak, he has the ability. He is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He is going to have an outstanding year once again. The question to David Pasternak is this entire team is going to be gone. You will have, you know, David Krejci, the Bergerons, the Craig Smiths, the Nick Felinos, they're all going to be gone because they're all right. So he so why would he stay there? Exactly. I mean, they exactly. Should... My question, my question, and if they're the going to op- be good this year, you can't just unload him at the deadline because you're going to need him for maybe a last run. Like, why do you think Krejci's back? He's back to maybe do one more run with Bergeron, Marshawn, you know, maybe Pasternak, but. What we are witnessing is the end of a of an era of, of a dominant team from In, yes. 2008 to now. Yes. Yes, they had Boston's been a powerhouse for many many years. And we're seeing Chicago start to wind down. We're seeing Pittsburgh start to wind well, down. Well, no no no, Chicago's not winding down. Chicago threw a grenade <laughs> in their dressing room and the only guys still sitting there are um, you know Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, and Seth and and Seth Jones. The entire team got blown up. I mean, that team is going to be. Like I watch, I look at their team. I don't even know how they're going to win twenty games this year in Chicago. They are going full court press to try and be one of the worst teams in the league, or th- the worst team in the league. San Jose um, Sharks, another team that from that same kind of Boston and San Jose in 08, 09, 2010, yeah. they were they were two of the top teams in the entire league. San Jose has won more playoff games than any team in the league in the last 15 years. San Jose Sharks has won more playoff games than any team in the NHL in the last 15 years. But they are in the same boat. They're 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 starting to try and there's like should we should we be tearing this down and kind of starting over? Which which seems to be the only real way of having an opportunity to to win is you have to start at the very 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 bottom and build your way through draft prospects and high end high end draft selections to give yourself a chance to win. And I look at Boston right now, and I look at I look at uh, David Pasternak, and he has been one of the greatest players, top ten, uh, top fifteen players in the league. Okay, for for a long time now, he's got one more year in his deal, and he's going to sit there and say, "Okay, why would I take a a dime less than twelve million dollars on an eight year deal? Why would I do that? I don't know why he would do it. I if his agent, one thousand percent." 1000% this guy should be getting $12 million a year. 
Okay. If, if Nate McKinnon's getting 12, six Pasternak should be getting, you know, $12 million. But I, I look beyond that. This is where you look at the opportunity of not only cashing in. And I'm going to tell you, Pasternak's going to cash in. But does he want to stay on a Boston team that most likely is going to go through a rebuild? Every single player. One, two, we'll three, three out, four, we? five, six, Maybe seven. Maybe he's going to be on the Andrew Peters method. There's eight guys on Boston that are unrestricted. Win. I just want to get paid. <laughs> well, he's going to get, but here's the thing though. He's going to get paid. That's what you don't, you don't understand. He's yeah. Going will to he get be paid. okay getting paid and going through a rebuild? But in a place like Boston though, I would it's not never, like you're, it's not like ever. you're rebuilding in a, in a different, in a market, like a tough market, like Edmonton or Boston, where getting free agents or Buffalo, sorry, Edmonton, Buffalo or New Jersey or those places. You know, in getting free agents to come and play, this is the Boston Bruins. Boston's an unbelievable city. It's a great place to play hockey. So are the other places, but they're not a UFA destination. Where I think Boston, you can go and throw money at free agents, say, "Hey, come play for the Boston Bruins," and they they'll say, "Well, let me let me ask yes. you this. Let me ask you if you were Pasternak, is Buffalo Sabers?" a desirable team to look at knowing that you have, you know, a number one overall pick in Rasmus Dahlin, that you have a number one overall pick in Owen power, that you have a, a you know, a Yoki Haru, uh, a Yoki Haru, a Matias Samuelson, you, you know, you start to look at the back end. You're like, wow, that's, that's a pretty impressive back end. And, but you're looking at, you know, the Alex Tuck, the Casey Metal Stats, the Tage Thompsons, the Cousins, the Krebs, the Quins. Like, is is this a desirable team? I don't know, David. To be a part of, but I'm going forward. to. I'm going to guess no. Okay, I'm going to guess no. So I just kind of look around at teams that that I feel that he might be interested in. But you got to remember. The Sabres, you got to remember, the Sabres might be looking good now on paper and maybe heading into the season, but there's still a stench around the organization with how they handled Jack Eichel. You know, what's Taylor Hall saying out there? What's Evan Rodriguez saying? What's Jack Eichel saying? What are these players saying about their time in Buffalo? They're not saying what we used to say. Go to Buffalo. It's unbelievable. The fan base is amazing. It's a great place to play. I've defended Buffalo as a as a as a great hockey market for since the minute I was drafted here because I had a feel for it from the time I was a kid coming to the odd going to the Marie Midland Arena when it first started seeing a playoff game in in 98 and 99 like seeing all of it being a part of good teams here I've seen that so I know that but I'm not out there as a as a spokesperson for the Buffalo Sabres okay what are these players that have left that have played here in the last five or six years saying about coming to Buffalo? And they're not yeah. saying good things. So it's going to still take time. You know, you don't think David Pasternak's going to call somebody that he knows that played in Buffalo and say, what do you think? And they're going to be like, don't go there. They may not know what it's like now. They may not care what it's like now. They're still, they're just, they're not going to be able to get that thought out of their head. So is there a team? Is there a team that you look at? 
that you think Pasternak, if he doesn't sign in Boston where maybe he's comfortable and all that, is there a team that you look at that you say, I can see him really signing here? I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Boston will be killed. The management in Boston will be will be absolutely killed. What is going to happen? What is going to transpire? What is the direction of the team? Are they looking to rebuild? So Pasternak's going to sign a deal, and then all of a sudden he's going to go through these four or five years of complete misery? No, because he's going to get paid wherever he plays. He's, he's a unicorn if he, if he goes to the U- UFA market. He's going to be a unicorn. There will be 20 teams in the league that will find a way to pay him $12 million a year. So the money is not the issue with Pasternak. It's about where he is going to have an opportunity to grow. There are not 20 teams that can pay players that kind of money. Yes, there is. Uh, No. Like, if the Buffalo Sabres, for example, wanted to sign David Pasternak, they could, but they can't. Like, you, you think about it. Because in in a in a couple years or a few years you're gonna have Tuck up, but you're gonna have you're gonna have to pay Tuck's for, not up for four years. What are okay, you talking about? But, He's the last but on guy. On a Pasternak deal, on a Pasternak deal, on eight on seven years, if he came here as a UFA, his contract would still come up. It was just the first one that came off the top of my head. Okay, now hang on a second. Then you're gonna have Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin. You're gonna Samuelson could be a four or five million dollar defenseman with the way he plays. You know what I mean? You have, I'm forgetting Krebs. There's potentially Dylan Cousins. There's potentially Casey Middlestad. You just signed Tage Thompson. You've got Jeff Skinner on on a on a contract for the next five years at nine million. They, they can't sign him. They don't have a goalie. That's going to be five, six, seven million dollars when you actually have a real starter. This team can't afford. Hold on, Jeff they have Skinner a scanner making nine million. You have a postal coming off at six. Alex Tuck is on one of the best deals around at 4.75. You have Victor Olison, who will be gone, who makes 4.75. So there's uh, a postal six. There's $10 million off the books right there. I mean, Zemgus Gergen's making 2.2. He's gone because we should have never have paid him 2.2 because he was worth a million dollars in that market at the time. I mean, Vinny Henestrosa makes one seven gone. Anders Bjork making one six gone. Tage Thompson makes one point seven point one million dollars. It's a great, great, great signing. I mean, great signing. But Dylan Cousins, what is Dylan Cousins? How much money should Dylan Cousins be paid with what he's done so far? He's got a big big year because what happens in this year is going to really dictate what he is going to start to get paid in no he's a bridge deal guy automatically i don't care if he puts up 25 goals in his 55 points 60 points this year he's a bridge deal guy okay bridge deal guy meaning what three years at four yeah 4.5 okay, somewhere in there okay so you know peyton krebs like what, what kind of money is he going to make? Is he going to be, no, he's going to be a bridge deal guy because he's, he's got, he's got two more years on an, on a, on an entry level deal. Jack Quinn has two more years on, on an entry level deal. 
But all they these guys sitting. are going to be replacing the guys that you're already removing. Your Gergensons, Anastrosas, your Kyle Loposos. Rasmus Dahlin's going to be up for a deal in there. Owen Power is going to be. Owen Power could make, on his next contract, he could be eight for eight. I mean, I'd why pay not? Him right now. I'd pay him right now eight for eight. You fucking guys played seven games in the league. I don't care. I've seen enough of him <laughs> to understand that he's I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't I don't I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's like he wants eight for eight. Now. I'd pay him right now. Rasmus Dahlin um has two more years at six million dollars. You don't, don't think to worry he's about gonna be eyeballing a Seth Jones, Kale McCarr. Yep. Um yeah, he'll be in the nine, ten million deal, dollar high skin in. Don't have a problem with paying that. Not whatsoever. When you're gonna put when you're gonna have a defenseman in your lineup that's gonna put fifty five to sixty points on the board every single year. Yep. I'll take it. If you want to pay eight for eight for Owen power right now, boom, chuckalaga to get it done. hundred percent. I, I want to ask you a question and, and just kind of change gears here for a second. Cause we're talking Darlene and making that much money. Is Darlene at risk of being a Shattenkirk, Keith Yandel type defenseman where you're paying a lot of money for offensive production. But other than that, you're not, getting too too much i know you wanted to mention something about keith yandel anyway today so i just i i wonder that about darlene sometimes when you say he's going to be a 60 point defenseman and so quickly we pay kevin shattenkirk so quickly we pay um who i who i just mentioned keith yandel and there was somebody else gostas bear was another one that came on the scene and i just look and i think is that what we could have or do we have more than that i, I don't think we know yet but i just don't I don't want to get caught in that kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, is that a fair or is that can unfair? You, can you look up Darlene for me? Just look up Darlene. I, I want to take uh, two seconds while you're doing that. Because um, I'm not sure everybody knows out there much about, you know, Keith Gandel and, and, and what he's done in this league. Certainly was not a guy that um, that was you know a, a great defender, but he he did a he did a lot of good things offensively. Okay, and and you you're kind of hitting it on the head in in a way. Um, with Darlene, what question? The question is, you know, are you going to pay this guy to be an offensive defenseman, or are you going to pay this guy to be? an all-around defenseman meaning he's going to he's going to get you 50 points a year maybe even more he's going to play 25 27 minutes a night he's going to be on your penalty kill he's going to play against the other team's top lines like what defenseman is Darlene right now with what i've seen from Darlene which again he's still he's still very very young Okay, but but Keith Yandel had a 62 point season. He had a 59 point season, a 56 point season, a 53 point season. He had a 47 point season in 45 game in 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 69 games he had 45 points, so he was on pace for another 50 plus season. This guy put up massive offensive numbers was not the greatest defender 
but he put up massive numbers. He did not kill penalties. He was not playing against the other team's top lines. Zero he was physicality, a power play. Zero physicality. He was a power play specialist. Well, Rasmus Dahlin is a power play specialist. He also plays big minutes. Um, they're starting to try and figure out is he a is he a defenseman that's gonna play on the penalty kill? Is he going to be a guy that's going to lock down and play against the other team's top top lines? I'm not sure right now that that's a question that we can answer and say 100%. Let's pay him $10 million a year. I think right now you're still allowing Darlene to continue to improve, to continue to get better. He's still a young guy. He's 21 years old. Like, I mean, he's 21 years old. He's still extremely, extremely young, and he has things to work on. But do I know where he's at right now? Like, if I if if we had to sign him right now to a deal, would I be comfortable about signing him to a $9, $10 million deal? No. No, I wouldn't. Do I think he can grow into that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Does his he's, next contract have to be that? Yes. Like, his next, yeah, his next contract is going to basically pay him for what he is or what the Sabres think he is. If the Sabres are thinking the way you're thinking and Darlene's looking at his numbers and thinking the way he's thinking, can you not see some kind of a standoff here? Listen, um, Darlene, in his, in, his, uh, in his four years that he's played, has has certainly produced offensively okay he's 44 40 23 and 53 points um two of those years uh he didn't play full seasons um he's a great puck moving defenseman he sees the ice very well he actually has more nasty to his game than 95% of the players on the team okay i'll give him that he's he's a, he's a physical uh player that can play with an edge which i really like he's one of the best puck moving defensemen out there he's got poise that just oozes out of his veins he um but the one area the one area that that we all are watching that he needs to show that he's that he's making a, a a major stride forward is to be a guy that you can count on this player where you know you're up three to two there's a minute left in the game you need to shut down the other team's top line they're probably going to pull the goaltender who do you have on the ice that's the question that has to be answered because I'm not sure it's Rasmus Dahlin right now. As much as they're get, as much as he's going to get all of the opportunity because it's Rasmus Dahlin, number one overall pick, and he's now going into his fifth year. Has he deserved to be that guy that's taken that's put in that position? And I'm not sure he's there. He's almost there. Well, the but Sabres if, are definitely in the driver's seat when it comes to him. He has two years of RFA. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't well, say why, that why? whatsoever. Why? Because, because if he has a, if he shows, because I'm really, sitting here realizing I'm wrong, thinking that after this year they're going to be negotiating an extension because he's going into one year left. But after he has two years of RFA, so let him go to arbitration. 
let let him go to arbitration for a year or two years. Well, not two years because that'll take him to UFA, but that's the team's option. So let him go to arbitration. Let somebody yeah, I else. I also don't want to piss off a player where he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you want to take me to arbitration twice? I'll do that, and I'll take whatever money that they're going to give me, but I ain't signing a contract with your team after, and that's devastating. So you have to be very aware of how you're dealing with these players, okay? Darlene is a player well, that we I want that in this lineup attitude, for years to come. If that attitude occurs, I don't, I, I don't know. That's that kind you of don't bullshit. want it's bullshit. No, holy it's not that shit, man! Your thinking is bullshit. Are you like, like, what are you? Are you laughing? Okay, I'm laughing at your reaction, not laughing that I that I that you think I tried to push your buttons. I'm laughing at the fact that how you responded. It's bullshit. Like, I went to arbitration all we do is talk twice. About, all we do is talk about how this game is a business. It's a business. It's a business. Well, then handle it like a business. Put the emotions okay. aside. Go play hockey. And then if we can't come to an agreement on a contract and we go to arbitration, well, that's because, you know what? We're both stubborn or we see different things. Okay. But at the end of the day, the guy's going to be making a shit ton of money. Is he not? And at the end of the day. Is he going to be egregiously, to use your word, underpaid? Probably not. No. No. And the Sabres probably know that they have to maybe give this guy a little bit more just to keep him a little happy because it is Buffalo. Let's be honest. So are we talking about them giving him more just to keep him happy? Are they talking about taking him to arbitration two years in a row because he's got UFA rights? So what you're saying is if you take this kid to two years in a row, of uh, take him to arbitration. I take him two years. He's not coming back let, to this I would, team. I, after this contract, I would let it. I would let it run out. Let him go to arbitration. You have two years of arbitration. Let him go to arbitration. Take a one-year deal on it, and then sign him after that year. And arbitration for him is probably going to well, be eight point five. To a, 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 what if eight, he can't come to a deal? Well, if I just said arbitration will probably be around eight point five. If he puts up fifty-five or sixty points, he's getting. Over eight million, over eight and a quarter, because that's what Heiskanen's getting. He'll get eight and a half, eight point seven five on a one-year deal. So then, okay. after that year, if what you see is what you get and what you have, well, then you offer him nine and a quarter for or nine million for for eight years. I don't understand why. How? What's he going to do? Is he going to turn and piss and moan at that? Who's the highest-paid defenseman right now in the league? Take Eric Carlson out of the equation. Why? Because he's never going to be Eric Carlson, the $11.5 million defenseman again. So that doesn't what about, even... what about Drew Doughty at 11? That's a lot of money paying for a defenseman. Kel McCarr at age 24 years old. Different story. Paying a guy $11 million and he's 30, 31 years old. Way different story. Way different story. I guess this all ties back to Pasternak. Like, do, does the Sabers even have the opportunity or the funds to go out and sign Pasternak? And the answer is absolutely. I don't see Does it. You want to come here? Probably not. I don't but, see either way. I don't see him wanting to come here, and I don't see them even having a an opportunity to sign him. You wanted to mention something about Yandel yesterday. Yeah, he announced his retirement maybe two days ago. It's not oh, even about yeah. Yandel. It's about the situation Yandel was in. What happened? Well, you know, you'd have to be living under the under a rock to not know that Keith Yandel 
had an Iron Man streak going for an ungodly amount of years in the NHL. He had 989 games played consecutive in his career. Now, he knew that he was coming up on the end of his career. And he's on a team in Philadelphia that sucks, just completely sucks, period. Okay. They had injury issues. Uh, the players on their team that weren't inju- uh, inju- injured um, were, not, were not very good. Okay. They underachieved in a big way. They fired their coach. It's just not a good situation. They end up trading for Keith Yendel later on in that season, right? And they bring him in. He he plays he plays games. He's he's been in the league for 13 years. He's on an iron streak of 989 games. And there was only at the time. If I remember, there was only like 15 games left. He needed, at the time, like 12 games to be the first player in NHL history to play 1,000 consecutive games. I sit there and I think to myself, I can't tell you how difficult that must have been. To stay healthy, because he wasn't a physical player, but to stay healthy for that long in his career with an Ironman streak of 989 at the time on a team that was one of the top, the bottom five teams in the NHL and only 15 games to play, and you're going to have a player play and do something that has never ever been done in NHL history. Mike Yo, the coach, scratched Keith Yendel. To this day, when I saw Keith Yendel's name came up and him announcing his retirement, he had a great, great career. The first thing that came to my mind. It's a Mike Babcock move. Fucking Mike Babcock. It's worse than anything that he's ever done. Mike Yo should never coach in pro hockey again. I truly believe this with how how insane the decision was to pull out Keith Yandel who is working to 11 games left of doing something that no player in NHL history has ever done in a hundred years. They weren't making the playoffs. They're fucking terrible hockey team. So his reasoning behind it was his quote was obviously what went into the decision. We're at the point in the season where as as an organization, it's important, important that we get some young players in. Not to say that we're not playing hard for what's going on right now, but obviously we have, we have to have an eye on the future and what's coming down the road. So to give some new guys the opportunity. Every single player on that entire team would have done their and then, Rudy. And then he was asked about if it was management say in the matter and noted when you make a decision like this, it's an organizational decision. I talked to Chuck. Obviously they filled me in on what's going to happen. 
This is Keith Yandel. It's kind of been one of those things, you know, uh, toward the end of the year when you're signing young guys and getting free agents out of college that they're going to give them a chance to play. You've got to respect that out of the business side of it and what they're trying to do here. For me, it's just continuing to come to the rink and help young guys out, be a good teammate, and be here for the guys. What an absolute asshole, man. Listen, and I'm sitting here shitting on, right? I'm I'm shitting on Mike Yo because he is the guy that is is at the forefront of this entire situation. But maybe it maybe it was Chuck Fletcher. Maybe it is the GM who overtrumped Mike Yo, okay? I don't know. And I don't care. It is one of the worst things I have seen in a very long time in the NHL. The Philadelphia Flyers organization should be absolutely ashamed. If I was a player and I heard that Mike Yo was coming to our team as a coach or an assistant, I can't even tell you my thoughts on this with what he did to Keith Yandel. And that thought won't change. There's nothing that you can say. Cliff Fletcher should not have a job right now. Chuck Cliff is his dad. Chuck. Yeah. Chuck. Yeah. No, I, I listen, I get it. I, we we, feel the same way. Well, I remember Jr. went on a rant about it, uh, back when it, back when it happened and, and, this is coming back up again because Mike or not Mike Yo, but uh, Keith Yandel just announced his retirement. But no, I I, I feel the same way. But again, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I, it's an incredible feat to. Put, what was he like? Almost a thousand games straight. He would have been able to play. Petey, he had nine hundred and eighty nine games. Fifteen games left in the season. Fifteen. He had eleven games to hit a thousand games consecutive. There's never been a player that has even come close to that. Doug Jarvis, who who was passed at, I think it was 903 games. Keith Yendel did something special. You know what? Keith Yendel was going to retire after this year. He's he's an older guy that has put a tremendous amount into this game. He's 30, 35 years old. Doug Jarvis played 964, by the way. And he passed him. He needed 11 games to hit 1,000 games. It's, I have. Well, you know who's going to pass him this year? Yep. Phil Kessel. Yep. He's at 970 consecutive games played and counting, and he just signed with Vegas for one year. So he'll hit 1,000. He, I mean, you know. Barring any injury, but he'll hit a thousand. And one thing that's impressive about Kessel's versus uh, Yandel's and Jarvis's, like like Yandel's is impressive, but I don't I don't think he played. I got to go look this up, but I don't think he played in the playoffs a ton. You see Jarvis's stats. Doug Jarvis started his career with four straight Stanley Cup appearances. Like, could you imagine playing all those games and still and still? Uh, and still making it like I'm looking at Yandel here. Like he he missed the playoffs one, two. Well, when did the Iron Man streak start? So probably back in uh 08, 09. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He missed the playoffs eight of those years. So he was in the playoffs. He played 58 playoff games throughout his Iron Man streak. Go look at how many Phil Kessels played. Go look at how many Jarvis played. 
I'm not taking anything away from Yandel. I mean, he played more consecutive games than I played in my entire career. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, there's there's wear and tear to it where you look at a player and you're like, man, that guy's had it a lot harder than the other guy. But anyway, that's all I'll say about that. But you're right, complete horse shit. And uh, that's it for today. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.